Blankensy with us from Devonport, Tasmania. And uh, if you've not yet met Pastor Mark, he's just one of the best pastors I know. He really is, and a great communicator. He's going to be with us next Sunday, and uh, make sure you don't miss that one. Now, church, it's an important thought for me, uh, this, uh, this conversation about what the church is now and what the church will and can become in terms of future church. I believe in the church. I know you do. You're here. We love the church and I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the best people uh, who who love God, love the church. Uh, I mean, why else would you be here on a Sunday morning or why else would you join us online? You could be, you could be at the beach. You could be out camping somewhere. You could be holidaying permanently around the world, but here you are in church today online today because we love the church we love God and uh, the expression of loving the church is is, it's another way that we show our love and our devotion and our our fellowship which is very important in terms of loving and following God I, I believe this about the church I I believe that our best life as believers is found in the house of God that's why God created and introduced the concept of the church that Jesus said he would build. He said he would build his church. And, you know, there's a lot of people around today that are kind of de-churched or unchurched in terms of they've had an experience in church, a season in church, and they still love God. They, they still follow God, but they don't belong to the house of God, which is an enigma in terms of the way that Jesus described this whole deal of following him and him being Lord of our lives to, to work out. Because the church is, is how God works with this. And the church is a place for us to grow. Uh, it won't always go right for you in church. Uh, there'll be people that will they'll just rub you up the wrong way because that's what, that's what people do. People do that. They do it in the workplace. Anyone got something difficult in the workplace? Any of my staff put the hand up, they're in big trouble right now. But, you know, there's difficult people in the workplace. There's, you ever had a difficult neighbor? I, I've had a, we've had a difficult neighbor once and just a terrible thing to have a, a difficult neighbor. To have someone that's a little bit crazy, it just makes it hard. Um, anyone got cousins that are a little bit, you know? Yeah, well, we've all got that. Not, not that we have cousins that are like that, but we all have that uh, going on. And you'll have it happen in church from time to time. That's for, cho- for sure. But church is a place to grow your best life as a believer. You'll get stretched. You'll get challenged. You'll get opportunities to contribute, opportunities to serve, opportunities to grow in faith. And I love this expression. You get an opportunity to be in your game and on the game. In the game and on the game. Uh, in other words, you're, you're on the field playing. You're, you're making it happen. You're cheering it on. You're building it. Uh, you're being it uh, is what we're called to be. So we started last week talking about living kingdom-minded in a crazy world. Living kingdom-minded in a crazy world. And uh, for anyone that doubted whether we live in a crazy world or not, the last few years has convinced us all there's a lot of crazy going on in our world. Uh, there really is. And it continues. Uh, wars that are developing around the world and uh, nation against nation, which is all part of what the Bible talks about. And we've got that going on in the Ukraine at the moment and Russia. We've got it going on uh, over in Israel and Palestine uh, uh, and the Israelites, uh, the Israelites, uh, Israel against uh, the Hamas and just the craziness of 
of what's developing in our world is really concerning. Uh, then we've got the philosophical crazy. We've got the, the, the crazy that also affects our economy. Uh, we've got the crazy in terms of um, the way people are, are making decisions about things. And so the last few years have been years of a lot of things being re-identified, a, a lot of instability that came into our world because of COVID and the post-COVID season, a lot of unpredictability. And in many ways, the future was uncertain and everything was shifting, everything was shaking, businesses were shaking, economies were shaking, jobs and careers, everything was shaking and the church was shaking. And uh, we experienced that shaking along with many other churches right across our world, experienced the shaking of what was happening. And in that moment and in the preceding moments, uh, the, the, the moments that happened after that, what, what took place in a lot of people's lives was just... People's behaviors change. People's patterns change. People's rhythms change. Some people started to come to church less often. Some stopped coming uh, altogether and, and just walked away and they're not going to any church at all, which I think is a real shame uh, for people to give up on the one thing that Jesus has given us that he said he is building and will continue to build until he returns Again, you don't want to give up on what God has invested in. You don't want to give up on what God is building. And so people stop coming. They change their rhythms. And uh, some came less often. Uh, families uh, stopped coming. And it affected youth. It affected children. It affected every dynamic of church life. And so after that shaking, we're in a period of remaking. And I said last week, the shaking is for the making. And that's what's happening. The shaking is for the Making The shaping is for the remaking of what's happening in church world and church life. And I shared these verses last week, which are part of the thing that really held me during our time. If we could go to the verses, please. Um, that held me during that time as a church leader and a church pastor uh, about what happens in seasons like we were going through comes from the book of Haggai the prophet Haggai chapter 2 verses 3 to 9 and he asked this question does anyone remember this house it was speaking about the uh, the temple Solomon's temple he said do you remember this house do you remember this temple do you remember its former splendor how in comparison does it look to you now it must seem like nothing at all. What had happened was Jerusalem had been taken over uh, by Babylon and went into a period of 70 years of captivity. And when Babylon came in, they destroyed the entire city. They burnt down the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. And the temple had to go through a rebuild when they were set free some 70 years later. And the prophet saying, who was around that remembered the old house? And how amazing and glorious and wonderful uh, the old house was, Solomon's temple. And look at you got today, and it must seem like nothing at all compared to that. In other words, the prophet's going, how you like me now? <laughs> how you, you like me now? And, um, you know, it's kind of like in, in church world today for us, particularly in the Western world, how you like me now? 
like now church compared to what church used to be. Because for a lot of people, uh, they get stuck. They have personalities. They have uh, mindsets that get stuck in what things used to be like, whether it's an old job, whether it's an old relationship, whether it's an old time, an old setting, an old house, an old experience, an old season, or an old church, uh, the way church was. And living in the past doesn't help you in your present, and it certainly doesn't help the future. So we need to learn to love the now. And this is what the prophet's saying. And he goes on to say this. He says, but now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. He was the governor. Be strong. Be strong, Jeshua or Joshua, uh, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to work. Get to work and now get to work because there's some building to be done. There's some remaking to be done. There's some reshaping to be done after the devastation. He says, get to work for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And my spirit, listen to this church, my spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be uh, afraid. The future glory of this temple, next verse says, the future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. You know, this passage was a real anchor for me personally as a church leader when things were shaking, that God was shaking things to allow things to be remade in terms of church world and in terms of church life. And what I believe and what I came out believing is this, is that what God has done in our lives is nothing compared to what God can do and will do in a future sense in our lives. And not because of us, but because of the faithfulness of God. We serve a faithful God. We serve a faithful God who sees us through every season, through every experience, and through every moment. And so I said last week to our church that God is with us in this season. And as leaders, as pastors, as teams, and as a church, we need to be brave and we need to be strong. We need to be brave, we need to be strong, and we need to get to work. We need to get to work and rebuild, remake, reshape what God has given us. And the future glory will be greater than what was. The future glory will be greater than what was. You need to embrace now, church. It's like seasons of life as a parent when your children are just babies and toddlers and and they grow and a lot of people want them to remain that way, but they don't. They grow. That's the problem with babies. They grow and they grow and they go to school and they start primary school. And, you know, parents love that stage because they're still cute. But then they grow into teenagers and something happens in that season where they totally change. And when they're in high school and, and, and then they, they, they leave that phase and they become young adults. They just keep growing. You can't hold on to them in a season. But some people do. They hold them in their heart in that season and fail to love them in this season. You've got to love your kids now. Love them now, no matter what season they are in. We need to learn to love the seasons of life. And so we talked last week about now church, and we talked about living 
connected. In other words, showing up, just showing up. And we, we, we kind of cheered each other on with that last week, just to show up. Because people were showing up less. And, and there's a responsibility we have as we follow God and live this best life in the house of God to show up. But then there's also a responsibility to live in a sense of community where we grow up. We only grow up in environments where we have community, where we have a commonness, where we're sharing, where we're caring, where we're giving, uh, giving and where we, we're, we're looking after each other. That's where we grow up in things like small groups, connect groups uh, that we do. And then thirdly, we talk about living committed, which is stepping up. It's a season to step up. It's a ste- season to uh, get to work. Unless we work it, nothing happens. Unless we work at it, nothing changes. And so today I want to speak about the posture that we each one have in regards to now church. The posture that we have in regards to now church, loving now church so that we build future church. Loving now church so that we build future church. Posture is defined as this. It's the position of the limbs and the carriage of the body as a whole. It's a conscious mental or outward behavioral attitude. It's something that people can see on you, your posture, the way you carry yourself, the way you present yourself, the way you stand when you stand in front of people. A lot of people have kind of nervous reactions when they stand in front of people, especially when it's an intimidating environment. Like this is a reasonably intimidating environment. A lot of people underestimate what it's like to stand on a stage and talk to people. And some people think it's easy and I always go, have a go, knock yourself out. And it's funny watching people when they first get on stage. It's like they don't know what to do with their hands. They don't know what to do with their arms and their legs go funny ways and shapes and they're all over the place because... There's there's this level of insecurity in terms of how I look, how I'm presenting. And it takes a while to get comfortable in talking to people and presenting yourself in a way that your posture is good. Posture is important. If you're not someone that practices good posture, it's going to affect you. And you're going to end up at some stage in life going to chiropractors and people like that who will adjust your, your frame so that you can have a better sense of posture. I'm sure you've had your mum and dad at some stage uh, say to you as you were growing up that you need to l- look at your posture. Sit up straight. Hold your head up high. Put your shoulders back. Because there's a sense of confidence that comes in the way that you present yourself, carry yourself, the carriage that you have, the mental behavior and attitude that you possess. Now, I want to consider a few verses in light of that thought on posture. Romans 12, 4 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members... These members do not all have the same function. So we're one body, but we all have different function within the body. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We belong together. We're all part of the body of Christ called the church, but we all have a different function to fulfill within the body is what 
Paul is saying. And the function and the way that we present ourselves in that body, it matters. It's really important. John writes this about part of our function. He says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if you look at love as being a function of our posture, that we're a loving people, we're a loving community, we're a loving church, where we don't only love God, but we, like, we actually love people. If that becomes part of our posture, it's something that people feel. It's something that people will see in us because posture is always felt and it's always seen. It's felt and it's noticeable by other people. So there's something very special and very important about how we posture ourselves. So let me ask a few questions uh, for each of us today. How do you posture yourself in church? What's your posture like? What are you leaning into in terms of church life? Because people lean into different things in different moments and in different seasons. Sometimes people lean into gossip. And I want to suggest to you that gossip is not a good thing to lean into. There's a better thing called truth. And then we lean into truth rather than gossip. Are you leaning into honor or dishonor? Are you leaning into sarcasm or encouragement? Because encouragement is always better. Fear or faith? Stinginess or generosity? Well, what are we leaning into? Because it's always felt, people always feel it. Posture creates an atmosphere and it's always seen. It's noticeable by people. So my posture in regards to now church is very important. And so is my posture for now church one that shows others that others feel that I love now church and that I value now church and that I value this thing that God has 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 instituted for the building of my faith but not only my faith for the reaching of other people. Here's a good question. What if everyone in God's family acted like me? What if everyone in God's house behave like me in regards to now church? This is a sobering question. What would it be like? What would it feel like? What would it look like? This is a self-evaluation moment. This is a healthy thing to do, to ask ourselves, what if everyone was just like me? What if everyone did connect group like me? Would we have connect groups? What if everyone gave like me? Would we, would we have any resource to do anything if everyone gave at the level that I... What if everyone did connection and community like I do? Um, like I just rush out the door every week. Would, would there be any connection? Would there be any community? Or would it just be a clinical, cold, sterile environment? And what if everyone welcomed new people like I do? What if everyone welcomed new people like I do? How welcome would the new people feel? And I think we do that pretty well. In our church, I hear constantly from new people. I love the sense of welcome. I love the sense that people wanted to know my name. I love the fact that people came up to us. I love the fact that people invited us into the cafe moment, into hospitality time. So I'm not saying these things because we don't do these things well. I'm asking us to self-evaluate, to take a good look at ourselves individually to make sure that I'm a participator in that. So how we carry ourselves matters. How we carry ourselves matters. If you're part of the body of Christ, if you're a believer, part of God's family, 
then the reality is it's no longer just about you, it's about us. It's about others. The way we do this, it's about other people and you have a part to play and you are a part of the kingdom of God and the house of God. So I want to talk quickly about, everyone say quickly. I mean that quickly about four postures because I went far too long last week. Four postures that we can adopt to have a healthy sense of now church and a healthy perspective about future church to help build what God is building so that the, 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 the latter will be greater than the former and literally believing that the best is yet to come. Anyone on the same page as me with that this morning? Come on, that's what we're believing God for. And so the first thing I want to suggest to us today is that we need to have a posture. We need to carry ourselves. We need to have this thing that's felt and seen, a posture of, of positivity, a posture of positivity, just being positive about the church, not just our church, about the church, the church, no matter what the color of the flag is, no, no matter what the style is, no matter what the music, see some churches just aren't my deal, like they're not my deal in terms of the way they do their, their worship moments or maybe their preaching conversation um, or it might not be my thing, but just because they're not my thing doesn't mean I've got to be against them. Just because they do it differently. Difference not wrong. This is the thing we understand about cultures. It's not, it's not wrong because it's different. It, it's, it's not wrong at all. It's just different. That's all it is. They still love the same Lord. They still have the same faith. They still have the same baptism. If those things are there, then we're called to love on it and love on the church. I think being positive about God's house, God's family, is a very important step in engaging a love for now church. It's, it's understanding that no church is perfect. No church is perfect. Like no family is perfect. Every family has its moments. Every natural family is imperfect in some way. It's the same with church life. It's, it's easy to spot the issues in now church. It's not difficult. It's easy to spot the issues. Anyone can do it. And there's no prize for being able to do it. There's no prize for that. Uh, as leaders, we're well aware of the issues that we need to get to work on. We're well aware of that. And we put a lot of energy, a lot of work, a lot of prayer, a lot of thought, a lot of planning, a lot of strategy into helping overcome the issues, the barriers that we can identify and that we can see. You see, when, we're, when we have a posture of positivity... We're actually comfortable with the fact that we're not perfect. We're comfortable with that fact. We're not complacent about it. We're comfortable. We're not even happy about it, but we're comfortable. And we know we just got to work it through for a little while. It's like when you get a pimple on your face. And they always turn up on a Saturday night just before a big Sunday. They do. Right in the middle of your head. They turn up. Well, you got to be comfortable with it, but not complacent. You don't want it to spread. You don't want to encourage it. But you can't hide it. It's there. And everyone that says hello to you looks at that thing. <laughs> it's just looking at it. And, and they want to draw attention to it. And it. But it's obvious. You know it's there. You don't need anyone to tell you. I don't know whether you've ever gone through this experience. If someone walks up and says, you've got a pimple on your head. 
I know I've got a pimple on my head. You're the 300th person this morning that's told me I've got a pimple on my head. Uh, See, pointing out the issues, as I said, there's no prize for that. There's no prize for being the one that points them out. The prize comes for getting the answers. The prize comes for being part of the solution. The prize comes for solving the problems. And so our world, our life, our communities, families, church, businesses, everything have been through really challenging seasons. And the good thing about this is we now get the opportunity to choose what our our thought process will be, what our posture will be, what our spirit will be, what our attitude will be towards now church and future church. And I have chosen, and I hope you choose with me, I have chosen to have a posture of positivity about all of these things. I have chosen to have a faith-filled attitude about it. I've chosen to talk well of the church. I've chosen to, to cheer on the church. I've chosen to love now church as much as I loved old church. I've chosen to deal with my ego. We talked about egos last week. And egos, you know, we've all got them. Some have more than others. We're all full of ego. Uh, Leaders are full of ego. Pastors are full of ego. Uh, Business owners are full of ego. And you've got to deal with your ego when you go through a challenging season and not let your ego lead you. Not let your ego take you to places that God really doesn't want you to go. And so you go through a rupture, you go through a disruption, you go through some kind of intervention that happens because of circumstances. And what happens is you, your, your ego gets massively challenged about what's going on and why it's happening. Because what you realize is you can't control it. And that's what I realized as we went through this whole COVID season and, and post-COVID was there was no sense of control. No sense of control. And in some ways, I'm a bit of a control freak. Anyone else in the room like that? Am I the only one? Am I, there's only me and Rose and a few others. Not many honest. You know what the Bible says about liars? You know where they go? Come on. Most people are control freaks. We are. Most are. Most are control freaks. In other words, we like to have a level and a measure of control. And as a leader, I think that comes with a leadership gift. Is is that's part of who you are. It's part of your makeup. And and I've chosen to take control of the one thing that I can take control of, which is my attitude, my spirit, and my behavior, and my heart towards it. I'm choosing to love now, church. Any friends out there today? I'm choosing to love now, church. I believe our best days are ahead. I believe God's spirit is with us. Like Haggai spoke about, I believe it's a time for us to be strong and brave and bold as leaders. I don't think it's a time to retreat. I think it's a time to remake, reshape, rebuild, restore and set things in function and set things in order. I believe this is time to get to work. I believe that. I believe it's a time to work hard in terms of our partnership with God for the building of future church so that it will be absolutely amazing. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says this about the church and us. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Just think about that for a moment. God decided before he even met you that he loved you and that he wanted to adopt you. Why? Because he's your creator. He created you. And to adopt you into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, his son, through everything that happened at the cross, 
That adoption process was completed. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. What gives God pleasure? Adopting sons and daughters. Adopting sons and daughters into his family. Here's my thought. If the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, our creator, the sustainer of all things, if God takes great pleasure in his family and the building of it, then we should take great pleasure in being a part of it. We should take great pleasure in the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to sit at his table, be a part of his house, to be building it, to be sharing it, to be representing it, and we should have a positive spirit about that and play our part in the family. The second posture we need to have, I think, is a posture of participation. This was never meant to be an observer's game. This, this, is, this is not an observer's sport, uh, this one. This is a participatory thing. This is where everyone gets involved. This is all in. Turn to your name and say, all in. This is all in. All in. Everybody gets to do this. Everybody gets to run the race. Everyone's a winner. Everyone gets a ribbon. Everyone gets a prize as we build with a sense of participation. You know, worship, worship is actually a, there's a physical thing for worship. Uh, Worship is not just a, a thing of the mind. It involves your whole body. It's a whole of body experience to worship God and in our church that's why we have a call to to actively worship God I don't know how TJ does it but he he was bouncing around like Roger Rabbit on that guitar as he's on stage this morning just I'm laughing at him I'm thinking how do you play the guitar jump around and twirl at this I would fall off the stage if I was trying to do that uh, good on you, TJ. Just, just, just celebrating. Just trying to encourage and inspire others to maybe, you know, lift a finger and 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 and, and honor the Lord. Lift your hands and and enjoy that worship moment. Um, you don't have to be serious all the time. You don't. You can leave serious at the door. You can be serious if you want to be serious, but you can also be fun. Church can be fun. I like when church is fun. Anyone else? I do. I like that. I think church is always better when it's a whole lot of fun. Our physical actions, what they do is they move our emotions and our spirit follows. They move our emotions and our spirit follows. So worship is for our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit. We need to have a posture of being planted in terms of participation. Being planted. This is, this is my church. I don't wander from church to church to church to church. I'm a great believer in being planted in the church. And one of the first questions I always ask somebody when they introduce themselves to me as a believer, I ask them, what church do you go to? And I can tell within about one thousandth of a second whether they actually go to church or not because of the way they respond. If they really go to church, they tell me boldly, I go to this church. Second question I ask is, what's the name of your pastor? Oh, I don't know. Um, um, I think if you don't know the name of your pastor, you don't go very often. Surely you can tell me the name of your pastor. I mean, I can tell you the name of the lady that serves us at the Commonwealth Bank. Go up and say hello to her and call her by name because we go there regularly. Anywhere you go regularly, you get to know them. That's a bit of old school community life. I remember when I got my first job in the, in the Commercial Bank of Australia many, many years ago, and I was a teller. And uh, in those days, it was the day when you knew every customer by name. 
And as the customers would come and they'd line up, you'd know them all by name. How are you, Mr. Harper? Good to see you today. And you'd have a chat with Mr. Harper while you're counting these millions of dollars and just counting that and counting that and counting that. And, and uh, it, it, was, it was about personal interaction and personal contact. I don't like going to supermarkets where you've got to self-serve yourself. I, I don't like that. I like to see a human being. Anyone else? I like to see a human being. I like to have someone do that task for me. I like the service aspect. I used to love garages in the old days where they actually came out and filled up your fuel and popped the lid and checked your oil and checked your water and did the tires. That that was called service. Anyone remember when we actually got service? Yeah? Yeah? Optus could take a lesson out of that one. Service. Uninterrupted. Service. Service that's guaranteed. Service with a smile. Service where you were called sir or ma'am or or whatever. Not next. I went to a shop this week and I'm just standing there. And the person that was serving me, I was just on my phone, doing something on my phone. Stood there and said, this is how they called me. Uh, You right there, mate? I just looked up and thought, I just responded with, yeah, mate, I'm okay. It's like, seriously, I've never met this person. This person's not my mate. I'm a customer. Good old-fashioned service. A posture of positivity in the way we're planted, in the way we serve. That when we serve on teams, we do it with a positive spirit, not with the thought of, why the heck am I on team today? Why am I on service team today? And I'm here at 7.15 in the morning on a Sunday morning. No, you have the attitude of David. I was glad. Come on, very glad. When they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And it's my turn. It's my turn to be on roster. It's my turn to be on team. It's my turn to do the coffee. It's my turn to serve in the kitchen. Everyone say, it's my turn. turn. Good, I'm glad they just signed up. Amazing. Participation, get involved. Get on a team. Be part of a team. Church is better when you do it that way. A posture of giving is part of the way we participate. That our giving is something that we do individually, yet there's a combined sense of what we do with that so that we make a contribution. You know, when we have a posture of participation, we go from being observers to contributors. And I've met a lot of observers in my time, observers that are on the sideline watching those that are playing the game, like if if you go into a rugby league game or something like that. And uh, the people that are very vocal... Um, that are high in the stands that have probably never passed a football in their entire life or been tackled by somebody in their entire life. They know everything about the game. They're the greatest critic on the game. And they're telling everyone what they should be doing, but they are not doing it. And uh, it's really different when you're playing the game and it's live and you don't have time to think. You've just got to act instinctively and you're doing the best that you can. It's so different when you're sitting in the grandstand and you're looking down and you're you're giving a, a, a critique of every little movement, of every little pass that went wrong, every tackle that was missed or every brain snap that happens. 
You know, passes are going to be passed that are missed sometimes in church life. Tackles are going to be missed sometimes. Brain snaps are going to happen. Have you ever seen something stupid being done in church? (laughs) Hang around. (laughs) It'll happen. It'll happen. That kind of thing happens in families. It happens in business. It happens in, in government. Have you ever seen the government do something stupid? Something questionable? Come on. It happens, and yet people act so surprised. It's, it's part of what happens. But when you're a participator, you understand. You understand that these things happen. And so let's have a sense of positive participation in terms of the way that we carry ourselves. I think Healthy Now Church demands for a get-to-work attitude. A get-to-work attitude. Here's the thing about when you're in the game. When you're in the game, what you find is there's a lot of things that happen in the game that really don't matter. They really don't matter. They really don't matter at all. You haven't got time to be worried about that. When I first started out in ministry, and probably for the first decade of ministry or so, I felt like I had to listen to everyone that was a critic, everyone that wanted to tell me everything that was wrong that I was doing, or church life and the judgments that were made about the way that I I did church. And I just stopped listening to that nonsense. I stopped giving ear to it. I stopped giving voice to it. Because I thought I had to do that to give the the thought of that. I, I wanted to be open, open to that thought. And I do learn things from different voices, but if there's a critical aspect to it, I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting it down because I can't afford for that to get into my mind and my heart and my leadership in the way that I do this journey and the participation that I have and that I want others to have. So healthy church demands that we have a positive participation in the way that we do church. We looked at these verses last week, but just quickly... Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly. Don't give it up. Let's hold, hold hard here. Hold hard to the hope that we profess for he who promised God, he is faithful. And let us consider, let's think about, let's strategize, let's get creative with how we can spur each other on. That's what we want to do. And this is what we think about as leaders. How can we spur people on? How can we encourage people? You know, when you spur a horse on, you get a kick with your cowboys. Those things they wear, spurs. And they give the horse a little kick or a bit of a whip to spur it on and encourage it. Sometimes when you get spurred on, it's a little bit uncomfortable. When, when someone comes after you to encourage you to be a part of a team or a part of a group, and it's like, just leave me alone. But you know why they do it? Because they know you've got a whole lot more in you. You've got a whole lot more in you. And there's a lot in it for you as we get involved and as we serve and as we give our best for the kingdom of God. So he says, let's spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This has been going on forever. This whole thing about changing rhythms and changing patterns in terms of the house of God. And the writer says, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love what James says. James says this, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results. Only if you do the hard work. Everyone say hard work. 
Get to work, get to work. This is the work we're talking about. The hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. You know, sometimes people are hard work to get along with. They are. Some, some people are, some personalities are. I don't think I'm particularly easy. I think I'm reasonably difficult to manage. Anyone else think that? I know my brother thinks that. He lived with me for a long time. We know each other really well. If you think I'm difficult, go try and meet him. And, uh, you know, we all, we're all have that little bit of difficulty around us, but doing the hard work is worth it. Like, I'm really a nice guy. Thank you for that one and a half persons that cheered that on. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult someone by saying you were half a person, but um, I'm just trying to highlight the, 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 the lowness of support there. If you do the hard work, if you do the hard work of getting to know me, and if I do the hard work of getting to know you, then what you find is gold. Gold. There's gold in them there, Hills. Gold. There's gold in you. There's gold in every human being. And sometimes don't let the hard work put you off. If it's, if, if it's, if it's, if it's good, it's going to be hard. If it's good, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. The good things in life don't come easily. The next posture we need to have is a posture of protection protection. You know, things that are valuable are worth protecting. The valuable things in my world are insured. I did a little exercise this week where I I did up an insurance schedule and superannuation schedule and investment schedule and all that sort of stuff to put on one sheet of paper in case I die. Because you never know, do you? That's the thing about death. It comes quickly. And I don't want it to be a mess when and if I do die and for Cheryl and others to be running around trying to find stuff and locate stuff and work out what is happening in different areas, what insurances there are and where it all is and my secret bank accounts and (laughs) investments in the Caymans and, you know, all of these things. So I, I put them all down on, on one piece of paper with instructions on where to find this and where to find that uh, so that somebody would know it's important to be a little bit organized about dying. This is a really exciting sermon. It's important to be Organized. It's, it's about a posture of protection. When it comes to church life, we need to have a posture of protection and protect the unity of the church. And unity of the church is not just the pastor's job, not just the leader's jobs. It's not just the job of the staff of the church. It's the job of the church to protect the church. I, I can't believe how, how much angst the church actually causes itself because it speaks out against itself uh, with people and pastors and leaders inside of the church. Our job is to protect the church in terms of the gossip and the critics, the haters that come from time to time, the offense that, uh, from those that are offended, the dishonor that is sown and shown towards the house of God. I need to protect it from that. I need to protect it from division. I need to protect it. Like the Bible talks about leaders 
protecting the church from those that come in the wrong way with wrong motives. You better bet, you, you can bet that we, we do a lot of work in that regard to protect the church. We're not just letting anyone walk in and do what they want to do and get involved in the way they want to get involved and, and uh, do exactly what they want to do because what they want to do may be not what is what God wants to do or what we want to do in terms of the culture of how we do it. It's not just come on in and do whatever you want to us. Because when you invite that, you'll get the weird and the wonderful together. And so pastors and leaders, they have a sense of protection around that. See, this is not just our church my church. This is our church. It's, it's, it's our church. And so we're, we're all on the same team with this. So we protect our church. Uh, you know, the family, the, the family of the church has some crazy cousins. Though we really do. We have some crazy cousins, that the church does, uh, in the way things are done. And there's some, some fighting that happens sometimes in between the, the, the cousins and the church family. They've got a different way of doing things. But we need to determine our posture is going to be, we're just going to love them. We're just going to love them as long as they're preaching Jesus, as long as they're preaching the word of God and maintaining that and holding to that. They're part of the family of God. We're going to love them because they're part of the family of God. Don't ever allow anyone in your presence to denigrate, to speak down, to speak badly of the church around you or on your social media. I shut that stuff down quickly. I shut it down quickly. I let people know I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be hearing that because I'm pretty sure there's probably more to the story than you're telling me. You're telling me one part of the story and that may be absolutely true. But I could bet you there's a whole different perspective. There's a whole different perspective. The Bible says even a lie sounds true until you hear the other side of the story. Even a lie sounds true until you hear the other side of the story. And so love the church and protect the unity of the church. I've, I've met people, I'm sure you've met them, that think it's their duty, their divine calling, their spiritual gift to pick the church to bits. Uh, that's not a spiritual gift uh, to pick the church to bits. For what they teach or what they preach or the version of Bible that they use or the style of songs that they sing uh, or the emphasis on giving, the emphasis on tithing for the leadership styles, uh, the way the pastor dresses, whatever it might be, uh, for models and, and methods. Um, people want to go there about those things, just shut them down. Shut them down. Because oftentimes people are not talking about anything that they actually know about in terms of now church. And we have a responsibility to protect the family from narrow-minded people and from negative-minded people. Paul encourages us. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Remind people what's important. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that we have together. So protect the family from that and take up a posture posture of protection. Lastly, a posture of passion. God's called us to be people of passion. Passion is the heart side of our posture, where our heart, our personality is fully engaged. Our emotions are fully engaged in what we're doing. You see, it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. Have you ever asked a teenager to clean up their room? Yeah. Oh, like, you know, or, or do, their, do, their, do their chores and just the attitude, the, 
the, the, the, the language that comes out, like not wanting to do this, complaining about it, you'd swear you'd ask them to cut their arm off. And all you've asked them to do is pick up that pair of shorts, do this, do that. This is all about adulting, training them to be a big person, preparing them for the world. You don't want them just to learn to do it. You want them to love to do it. Love to do it. With the trainees that we have in our organization right now, we're trying to teach them passion. Not just doing the job, but loving the job. Because the boss that employs you, his concern is not only that you can do the job, but you turn up with a great attitude and you love the job. And you make the job place, the workplace, the environment, a happy space, a happy place because of the passion that you have. I think that signifies the end of the sermon, by the way. My TV is gone. It's not about just showing up. It's not about just showing up. It's about engaging our hearts. It's about, good on you, Melissa. Everyone give Melissa a big hand. She'll be so embarrassed. She's doing exactly what she should be doing. Pastor does need a reminder it's time to go home. You're well aware of that. Let's all stand. It's not about just showing up. It's about doing it with heart. It's about doing it with passion. It's not about the the number. It's about the passion in those that are here. It's about the heart for it. It's about the heart for the Lord. It's about being present in the moment and participating in a passionate way. How we carry ourselves really matters. It really makes a difference. How we communicate matters. How we respond matters. How we relate, it matters. How we represent Jesus matters. I think there's a lot of times where Jesus has not been represented well because of the posture that people had in the way they represented him. Like I see some of the ways that Jesus is represented by those that call themselves followers of him. And I look at it and I think I'm not sure Jesus would really be impressed with that representation of him, that hatred that's coming out of you right now, that anger that's coming out of you right now, that protest spirit that's coming out of you right now. I, I, I think our calling is to bring good news, good news to our world to promote the good news and the faithfulness of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the heart of God for humanity. God's judge, nobody else. God's judge. God oversights. God legislates. We don't. It's not our job as human beings to do that. I love the church. Like David, the psalmist, where he says, I love your house. I love the place where your glory dwells. And I don't separate. Some people do. Um, There's this thing where people say, we are the church. And I get that. We are the church. But the church is also a physical location. I love the physical location of the church too. So it's place and people. And I kind of see them as being one. I love the church. This place for me represents you and it represents God. 
And there's a little bit of you in this place. For, for those that are here that have helped over the years in terms of renovating this place, your, your blood, sweat and tears are, are in this place. And every now and then I'm reminded on social media of that where memories pop up and it shows moments when we were doing things around the auditorium and in the foyer particularly and you know we're here till 11 o'clock at night or something at 12 o'clock at night and removing the the residue of the tile glue uh, or carpet glue or whatever it was out there in the foyer and we were grinding back the cement and just looking at people and thinking wow some people have been on this journey for for a long time with us and I'm just so grateful for the investment that people make and you know, in terms of resource, in terms of giving, in terms of time, in terms of service, in terms of sacrifice. And you do that, why? Because you love God, but you love now, church. And I want every Sunday that we come, every time we gather together in a small group, a connect group, every time our, our men's or women's or kids or youth or musicians or teams get together, there's an expression of, I love now, church. I love it now. Because I think the church worldwide is saying to people right now, how you like me now? Do you still love me now? Like the old temple? And they came back to Jerusalem and they started to rebuild it and it wasn't that impressive yet. And the prophet says, hey, just wait. Because what's coming is much better than what was. That's the faithfulness of the heart of God towards us. What's coming is much better than what was. I don't know what you've lost. I don't know what, what you lament. I don't know what you hang on to in terms of the residual of thought about the past. But can I speak into your heart and your spirit and your mind and your circumstance? what's lost there's a whole lot of new coming and it's a whole lot better I know it doesn't help when you're in the moment of grief but there's a whole lot better coming the best for you is yet to come God is faithful I've never seen the righteous forsaken is what the psalmist said so I want to conclude today and have, just have a worship moment. If you would like some prayer today, I want you to come and stand down the front while we sing. We'll have our prayer team and our pastors and some leaders that want to come, come and pray also over you while we sing this song, this beautiful song about I will trust in God. Come on, he'll never fail. Why don't you come? To I trust in God, my Savior, my Savior.
declaration today. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for joining us online. Family, God bless you. Pray God will meet you wherever you are, whatever's going on in your world, and believe for the best to come to you. Hospitality's open right now. Cafe's open. We've got some amazing food for you to connect with people with today. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.